you know, it's so funny that Jesus is actually called the Word of God. It's not funny, it's profound, it's, it's interesting, it's amazing. But it often gets me to thinking when I'm sitting down and reading my Bible, when I open it up, I often think, oh my word, I'm, I'm about to discover more of Jesus. And I often wonder, you know, does the Word know that I'm reading it? I often wonder if Jesus is the word, when I open my Bible, what happens? You know, is there, is there something, you know, that there's a connection that's happening between me and God? Is there, is there something supernatural happening? And deep down in my heart, I really believe there is because, you know, I know the amount of times when I've actually read the Bible and, and something has jumped out of that page to me, how it's actually transformed me. It's been more than just reading a book. I've read many books and that doesn't happen to me when I read those books. I don't, I don't feel a profound change in me. I don't feel like I experienced something of God. I, I, I feel interested and more learned when I read other books, but I don't feel changed like I do when I read my Bible. So the reason we want to do this series is we honestly and truly believe that Christians who read their Bible are the most successful people on the planet. And we have a vision for your lives that you would be successful in all you do. And so in giving you this series, we are inviting you onto a road of fulfillment, influence, and significance. When I wake up in the mornings, I have a chair in my room and this chair has been handed down to me from my parents. So it's a little bit of an old chair. I think I should have it reupholstered, but you know how, how chairs get off, you've had them for a while and they just get those bumps in the right places. You know, they just the dent is just the size of my behind. You know, it's just, when I sit in there, it just works. You know, it's like the, the chair folds itself around me. So it's not a particularly pretty looking chair, but you know, it just, it just looks like it's waiting for me. And in the mornings I get up and I get a cup of tea because I figure, you know, the brain needs a little bit of a jolt in the morning. I get a cup of tea and I go and sit in this chair and I position this chair in my bedroom in such a way that the sun shines in and shines onto it. So I, I sit there early in the mornings with the sun shining in and I open up my Bible and I, and I start reading and it's almost like I have this special appointment with Jesus. I sit there and, and as I'm reading my Bible, I'm opening up not only my, my physical mind to understand what I'm reading, but I'm opening up my heart to hear what Jesus is saying. And I talk to him and he talks back and sometimes, well, usually his words don't really sound like words. They sound more like, like a feeling in my heart. They sound, they, they sound like sort of thoughts and imaginations that come to mind that seem like they're from God. And as I sit there in this place of talking to him and him talking to me, I find myself strengthened and transformed. I find myself able to tackle my day well. I, I find myself... Um, as I go through my day, having answers that I feel like I wouldn't have had had I not done this in the morning. And you know, for you, the morning might be quite a rush time. I don't know, maybe you start work at four in the morning or something and you know, that would be too hard. But I feel like every one of us needs to find a time in the day where we have this place where we go and we with Jesus and it's entirely His time with us. And in that place of reading our Bibles, we find him talking to our souls and changing us. So as I talk about meditating on the word, I'm going to use four scriptures. There you have them. I'm going to go through them and, and talk about what the Bible talks about meditating because you know that there are many, many 
forms of meditation out there. Have you, if you've ever been to a yoga class, you will know that at the end of the yoga class, you know, they lie there and they picture all kinds of things and they empty their minds and they go to this other place. I don't know where it is and I would advise you never to go there because it doesn't seem so kosher to me. But, uh, you know, it's like this, this interesting form and they call it meditation. You know, you, you've seen people kind of sitting in those impossible positions with their legs kind of crossed and their fingers doing strange things and, and you know, then they chanting things over and over and, you know, they call that meditation and all I can say is it just looks painful. It's just, I don't know if I can get my body into those positions and, you know, I don't know how long I could do that for. But I'm happy to report that the Bible, when it talks about meditation or meditating on the Word, it means something completely different to those things. Aren't you relieved? Because you can't get into those positions and it's okay. This is not an ambition in life that you need to have. But meditating on the Word is spoken about many times in the Bible and it is always coupled with a powerful effect that people who do it seem to somehow be very effective in their lives, very effective in their relationship with God, very effective in their vocation, in what they do. And the Bible describes meditating as taking the Word of God and mulling it over in your mind, speaking it out, allowing yourself to, to draw every bit of nutrients from it, to kind of look at it from every angle, to kind of examine it from here and from there, and to, to grasp it in all its fullness and all its facets. How many of you have seen a cow standing under a tree on a kind of hot day in the shade. They look so peaceful, you know, cows just make you just feel peaceful. I don't know, maybe you had to herd the cows once and that wasn't so peaceful, but for me who's never had to go near a cow, a cow over there under the tree looks very peaceful. And as I see those cows, you notice how they kind of like are always chewing. Have you noticed that? I mean, and they do that funny thing with their jaw. It kind of like goes round in circles. I don't know how they do it. It seems like they've got muscles where we don't have muscles. But anyway, they, they seem to chew and chew and chew. And what is actually happening is that cows have a number of stomachs. I don't know if you know this, but, but when they chew grass, they take the grass and because grass is quite hard to get all the nutrients out of, they chew it and they chew it up as best they can and then they swallow it and it goes into one of their stomachs. And the, that stomach draws as many of the nutrients as it can out of it. And then they do something really disgusting. They regurgitate or bring up that grass, that half-chewed grass. I know, don't even think too deep detailed about it. It's kind of, kind of not so great. But they chew, bring it up into their mouths. And then you know what they do? They just start chewing it again. And they chew it a second time. And they chew and they chew and they chew. And yeah, I know. Aren't you glad you're not a cow? And, so, and, and then they swallow it again into another stomach, and that stomach is able to draw different kinds of nutrients out from it. And so they just keep doing that until they get every last bit of nutrients out of that grass. That's why they can live in grass and we can't. And I feel like meditating on the Word is something like that. It's like taking God's Word and turning it over in your mind, chewing on it, thinking about it, getting, uh, getting the perspective from this side and then looking at it from that way and then thinking about it and then saying it and, and then applying it to your life and letting it just um, go over and over in your mind and over and over in your speech and over and over in your actions. And as you do that, it's like every part of the goodness that God deposited in that word is then made available to you.
So as we go to our first scripture, our first scripture is actually written by one of the prophets in the Old Testament. If you ever read the prophets in the Old Testament, they were a little bit of a crazy bunch. They, they did strange and unusual things. And often when I read that, I just am so grateful for Jesus because I feel like he came and everything kind of went a little bit more normal after Jesus. But those, those, um, those prophets were, were kind of interesting people. And one of them, whose name was Jeremiah, he was known as the weeping prophet, clearly because he cried a lot. But he wrote this particular passage and I thought it was so interesting. He says this, when your words came, I ate them. They were, they were my joy and my heart's delight, for I bear your name, O Lord God Almighty. He ate them. You know, he didn't literally like un undo the roll of papyrus and, you know, maybe he'd been fasting for a month, you know, and just was just desperate. And when I, I got your words, I just ate them. No, he's not talking about that. He's talking about the fact that when he heard from God, when God spoke to him, when he was reading the writings of the past, he took them and he imbibed them. He took them into his heart and he let them rest there and he let them become, become nutrients to him. He, he let them become something that would feed his life. It's Ezekiel, another prophet, prophet said the exact same thing, that when God's word came to him, he ate it and became like honey in his mouth. In other words, it just felt so good. It tasted so great. How many of you have either had children or you've had young sisters or brothers that you've had to, you've had to feed when they were little? And you know what it is, maybe it's their first solid food and you take that solid food and you put it in their mouth and at first they look happy and the food goes in and then they get this expression on their mouth like, what have you done to me? And then, you know, food starts coming out of places that you don't even know it could come out of and it's just food everywhere and it's, you know, it's just a really, really messy business. Those of you who haven't had children, it's still okay. Don't, I don't want to scare you off. Still have children, but just buy lots of bibs. But babies who, uh, who start eating, it's almost like they have to get used to the taste. It's like that first time that broccoli goes into their mouth, you know, it's like, I don't know if I want this. Some of us never change, but nonetheless, you know, it's still like broccoli goes into mouth and we go, oh, I don't know if I want that. But you know that it's like, it's so good for them, but it takes them a while to get used to the taste and to the get used to the action of actually eating and getting nutrients out of that food. And I feel like sometimes to me the Bible is like that. So there are times when I read certain scriptures and they are so good. And you know, like they're on the spoon and I see them coming to me and I'm like, oh, that's so great. And I open my mouth and I, I, I read it, I take it in. And then I have to live it. And oh my word, it's just like crazy. It's so much harder than I imagined. One of those scriptures that are like that to me is 1 Corinthians 13, and it goes like this. It says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It keeps no record of wrongs. It's not easily angered. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. 
love never fails. It always perseveres, love never fails. And you know, you often hear it at weddings and it's beautiful and it's nice and everyone loves that scripture. But then, you know, you, you're with that friend or you're with that person, that, that husband, that wife, that daughter, that son, and you're saying that, they lo- that you love them, but oh my word, they're doing stuff. And you know, love is patient. I know they, I love them, but oh my word, I don't feel like being patient right now. I don't feel like not keeping a record of wrongs. I don't feel like not being easily angered. And you know, that word is like, you have it and you know it's true and you know it's right, but you're having to wrestle with it and ah, kind of get your, get your actions in line. But you know, the persevering through that time of that, that where it's, it tastes strange. Means that the more you practice doing it, the more you meditate on it, the more you make it a part of yourself, what you find out is the easier it becomes to do that. Suddenly it's just a natural part of you being patient. Whereas before you were snapping at everything, you know, now there's calmness and peace. Why? Because you've taken that word and you've made it your own and you've allowed it to become part of who you are. So when we talk about the word and extracting the goodness from the word, what we're really talking about this is, is meditating on it, but making it a part of you. And some words are easier than others. Some parts of the Bible are easier than others, but all of it's important to make it our own so that it becomes who we are. One of the primary ways that the Bible talks about the word or meditation on the word simply means to think about the word. Some time back, I invested in a small little gym exercise buzzer. It's a tiny little thing, you stick it on your belt and it buzzes every so often. It's supposed to tell you how long to do certain exercises and when to move on to the other exercise. I bought it for another reason, because I wanted to start training myself to be a worshiper of God, not just worshiping God in music on a Sunday, but I wanted to train myself to become a worshiper of God throughout my day, to live in an atmosphere of faith and worship and adoration of Him throughout the day. So I put this buzzer on me. I'd heard it from another pastor who was doing it. And I set it to go off every 10 minutes. And what it would do, it would just buzz. And then as it buzzed, I would then remember to at that moment, just turn my thoughts to God and worship Him in my heart. Obviously, sometimes, you know, I'd be in meetings or I'd be um, in public transport, I'd be somewhere, so I couldn't like suddenly burst out and just start singing a worship song. But in in my heart, I just would turn my attention to Him and, and think about Him. That was my, well, that was my aim anyway. I was so shocked to find out that almost every time that that little buzzer went, every 10 minutes, when I noticed what I was thinking, I was thinking negative thoughts. You know, I, I count myself as quite a positive person. So I was shocked to discover that the majority of the time, I was thinking negative things. I mean, I just, and then I knew I had to keep that buzzer on. Because you know what, I realized it was more than just training myself to worship my God. My God it was training me to think right to face my world with an attitude that there's a good God out there who's changing things, who's working on my behalf, who's already victorious, that there's nothing that I have to fear, that I'm not, that I'm not who the world says I am, I am who God says I am. 
There's a woman by the name of Caroline Leaf. She's a doctor in psychology, but she's also a Christian, and she's written a number of books. You can read them. You'll really be blessed by them. But I heard her speaking recently, and I was amazed. She said this. She said, did you know that between 87% and 95% of all diseases are actually not caused by a physical cause, but they're caused by the way you think? Your thought patterns actually have the power to control the chemical makeup of your body. So whenever you think a positive thought, what happens is that it sends out certain chemicals in your body that align everything and put things right. When you think a negative thought, it actually sends chemical chaos into your body and things start going wrong. And they don't go wrong the first time you think a bad thought, but when that continually happens, what it does is it actually starts misaligning things in your body, things stop working as they should, and we experience that, experience that as disease. And I'm not saying that every disease is caused by that, but a large proportion of problems, physical problems, that people experience are caused by the way we think. I know that's really mind-blowing. Do you know that you can also control the pain you feel in your body by the way you think? I did an experiment the other day. So I, um, I had gone for a run and I had fallen. It wasn't a serious fall, but I'd grazed my arm. And um, this, you know how grazes are, they just sting. Even though they're not serious, they, they just they sting. So anyway, I, I was um, actually in the shower and the water was falling on the grays and the pain was just shooting in, the, in that place. And I suddenly, I just listened to her, uh, the video and had been talking to someone else about it. And I suddenly thought, I wonder if this is true. I wonder if I can control the chemical processes in my body by what I think. So you know what I did? I just said, brain, I'm not in danger. There's nothing wrong happening on my arm. It's good and right that water falls on my arm, so stop with the pain. I'm not joking. I'm not joking. The pain stopped in an instant. Now, now what I'm saying, I just, I don't want to get you onto this mind control issues and, you know, just you, you can change everything. I believe that it's a partnership between us and God that changes everything, but he's made us a certain way. And he's made us to have authority over our physical beings, over ourselves, over, over our immediate future. And he intends us to appropriate his word, to start thinking like he thinks, to change the way our processes work in our bodies and in our, our, our environments by aligning our thinking with his word. He designed a system so that when you think God's thoughts, when you think the word of God, when you allow that, that, uh, the word to become part of your processes, your mind processes, that will actually cause your body to come into alignment. It will actually cause your environment to come into alignment. He meant you to be in charge of your sphere of influence. And he meant you to do it by his word. So there is a, oh no, I'm not going to go there. Did I, did I speak about that scripture before and I didn't? Did I speak about that? No. So Philippians 4 verse 8 really talks about this. It, Paul, Paul, when he was imprisoned, he was writing to the churches 
that, were, that he had started and were kind of like his children. And we, they were clearly worried about him being in prison. And he wrote to the Philippian churches, church and he said this at the end of his letter. He said, finally, brothers, almost like saying, and as a summary of everything I've told you, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. He was saying, he was saying thousands of years ago what Caroline Leaf is saying right now, is that if, if you align your mind to think true thoughts, God thoughts, it changes everything. That above all else, our job is to, to control the environments of our minds by thinking the word, by allowing God's truth to be the primary thing that is running around in our thoughts. So when you think the word, it rewires you for excellence. It makes you better at the things that you do. Literally, what you think has the power to change the way you view life. So when we think the word and we allow the word to go through our minds, what we are literally doing is we are rewiring our brains to think right, to act right, to respond right to our environments, and we rewire ourselves for excellence. The other thing that we do is we recalibrate our physical body for health. In other words, we create an environment where maximum health can happen. The other thing that we do is we reform our minds and ourselves for right relationship. What do we do is that, just as I was talking about meditating on that scripture in 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind, what I'm doing is I'm rewiring myself, myself for loving relationships. I'm creating capacity in myself to be a person who has healthy, loving, godly, respectful, helpful, nurturing relationships. Amen. Psalm 119 says this, the rulers sit together and slander me. Your servant will meditate on your decrees. Your statutes are my delight. They are my counselors. Verses 23 and 24. David, who wrote this, is basically saying that I use the word of God to direct my steps. I use the word of God as my counselor. I use the word of God to tell me what to do. He's saying this exact same thing, that the word becomes the thing that directs me, that counsels me, that teaches me how to live. And he was easily the most successful king that Israel had had. Perhaps his son could rival that, but he certainly built the nation of Israel in a way that certainly no king before him had ever done. There's another really great scripture. You may have read it before. It's one of those rah-rah scriptures that everyone knows. But it was written by Moses, and he was, he was speaking or it was spoken by Moses, and it's Moses speaking to the man that he had mentored. So Moses had led Israel, and now he was handing over the baton to his spiritual mentor, mentee, Joshua. And he was saying, Joshua, you are now going to lead this great nation. 
And what advice does he give? Well, he, he tells Joshua three times to be strong and courageous, which is all very good, but how do you be strong and courageous? And then right in the middle of the times that he's telling Joshua to be strong and courageous, he makes the statement, Joshua 1 verse 8, do not let this book of the Lord depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Take care to meditate on this word day and night. Never let it leave you. Let this be your guiding force, your counselor, your director. Let it show you how to live, show you how to act, and you will be successful and prosper in everything. Those other words that we have looked at about meditate do mean to think on and to allow the, the word of God to go over and over in your brain. This word means something different. Because it says, do not let it depart from your mouth. So clearly it's talking about not just thinking about the word, but speaking the word. The word there for meditate is a bit of a different word and it literally means to growl. That is cinnamon. Cinnamon is a sweet little cute miniature dachshund that is our pet. Cinnamon has one goal in life and that is to sit on your lap and be stroked. All day, every day, she feels like this would be good. If it can't be on your lap, she'll be like on the chair behind your neck or somewhere close to you. Where she, and she has to be stroked in just the right way and no other way. And she just feels like her whole goal in life is just to be loved. That is unless you bring home a toy, a dog toy. Then she has only one ambition. And that is to rip that toy into as many little pieces as is possible. And for a small little dog, she has extremely powerful jaws. And before you can even count to 10, that thing is apart and ripped and innards out. And if it had been a real live animal, it would have been completely mutilated. And then, if you dare go near her to take that toy away. If you just kind of reach out your hand to get that toy, or one of the other dogs comes close enough to look like they might be interested in her toy. Cinnamon stands over that toy. I mean, the sweet little tiny dachshund. She stands over that toy. She bares her teeth. She looks at you and she growls. And what is she saying? She's saying, this is my toy. Don't touch my toy. This is my space. Don't come near my space. And you know, when I think about meditation as growling, I kind of think of it like this. It's us standing over our lives, standing over the things that God has given us and saying, devil, this is mine. Don't touch it. Don't come near it. You don't belong here. This is God and my territory. Your, your nonsense, your lies, your relational breakdown, your poverty, it's not coming here. It's me standing over that area of life and saying, 
I'm more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. It's me standing over that area in my life and saying I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It's me standing over that area and saying I am God's beloved. I belong. God is with me. Sharing those scriptures. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's standing there declaring this territory is belonging to God and nothing else. But God and His ways can operate here. It's when you're sitting with your friend having coffee and she says to you, I can't make it. I'm not going to make it through these exams. You look her in the eye and you say, no, you're more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Nothing is impossible to those who believe. What are you doing? You're saying, this is God territory. This doesn't belong to the devil. Those lies may not live here. I'm looking in your eye and I'm stamping kingdom territory here. I'm saying that this belongs to Jesus. So when we declare the word, when we speak the word, when we meditate on the word, it's like we're growling it, we're establishing kingdom territory. When you declare the word, it stakes out your territory. It establishes God's authority and it creates kingdom country. Now what I do want to do is I just want to qualify this because there have been teachings that have gone around that have said things like, if you just take this word this Bible scripture, and you just quote it a hundred times a day for three months over your life, you will have a Mercedes Benz. You, you've, heard, you've, heard those, you've heard those teachings and some of you have tried them, I know. But that's not what God's talking about. Really, the Bible is not like a magic spell. You know, you can't just whip it out, say it a hundred times and whammo, there's the perfect breakfast in front of you or whatever it is. You know, it's not like a magic wand that just taps things and things happen. What the Bible is and meditating on the Bible, thinking it, speaking, what it does is it changes your internal environment. It molds you into who you are meant to be. It creates the kind of person that God intended you to be. And in so doing, as you're speaking it over environments, it's molding that environment. It's changing that environment. You know, people, you've been at places and, you know, you have been like all depressed. Everyone's looking down. Everyone's saying negative things. And then someone walks in the room and they're all happy. They've just been with Jesus and they're like singing and uh, happy. And what happens? Everything changes. Everything changes. Why? Because they brought kingdom in to their environment. And that's what the word does. That's what meditating on the word does. You know, you might go home to your families and the environment might not be all that healthy. I pray that all of you have great families, but I know we all come from some place. And I want to invite you. This is an opportunity to when you're in those environments, instead of just complying with what's going on, to rather say, no, 
No, this is my time to bring the word down from heaven through my mind, through my mouth and start speaking it into the environment until all of that environment is conformed to why, the way God says it should be. And you know, sometimes it's a good way of just memorizing scripture and learning Bible verses. But you know, sometimes you're even in environments and not the, the, not the exact scripture comes to mind, but, but some concept of the scripture comes to mind. That's good enough. Do that. And people are complaining around you and you say, no, God is good. He's victorious. The cross has accomplished everything. I'm standing on his word. I'm declaring his truth. I'm saying in this environment that this is how it is. I'm growling over this environment. I'm letting that word that I've meditated on day and night establish some boundaries. Place, ex, uh, create a place of kingdom influence. Hebrews 1 verse 3 says this, the Son, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. What does that mean? It means that God is speaking from heaven into your life to sustain you. God is speaking into your environments to sustain them. It, it means that the trees out there exist because God is speaking tree, 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 tree. It means that all of creation is responding to God's word to be what it should be. And that means if we partner with God and we speak his words into environments, we create the environments that God intended to be there. Psalm 1, 1, 2, 3 says this, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. The implication of this verse is that when we meditate on God's word, we bear fruit. And the Bible, when it talks about bear fruit, bearing fruit, it means that our lives exhibit the qualities of God's kingdom. There's love, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control evident in our lives. But it also means there's evidence of kingdom works in our lives. It means that people are getting saved, people are getting healed, businesses are prospering, um, lives are being changed, kingdom innovation and creativity is being manifest. Um, a work ethic that is getting exciting and new things done is being manifested. Families are whole, relationships are good it means that all of these kingdom things are in evidence in our lives that's what it means to bear fruit in God's kingdom but it gives a picture of this fruitful tree it gives a picture of a tree that has put its roots down deep into the earth and that it's it's drawing water from this river that runs by and that the water that is feeding into the soil is being drawn up into this tree and from all the nutrients that it's drawing up it's naturally just producing this abundance of fruit 
this abundance of green leaves. And it says that its leaf does not wither. In other words, it's continuously green and fruitful and abounding. Sometime back, um, well, I've done it periodically, but I'm, this particular time I'm thinking about it. I went to the nursery and I brought, bought some plants. And I intended them to go in my garden. I am the kind of gardener that this literally happened. My son is going to disagree with me and tell me it wasn't so dramatic, but this is how I remember it, and I'm sticking with my story. I remember once coming home with this plant that someone had actually given me, and I remember walking into the house with the plant, and my son David running up to me, grabbing the plant and taking it away from me and saying this, quick, rescue operation, get the plant away from mom before she kills it. You can ask him, he'll give you his version, it's a little bit tamer, but that's how I remember it. And clearly what it speaks of is that I'm not a profound gardener, you know, gardening is not really my thing. So when we bought these plants and I wanted them in the garden and I thought it would make the garden look nice, I decided that the best thing to do would be to employ someone to do the gardening, to actually come and put these plants in the garden for me. Gave him everything he needed and he did, he went and dug the holes and put the plants in, etc. He left, we watered them nicely and they looked lovely, lush and green. You know, and we, I came out the next day and they were all kind of withered. They all looked like they hadn't had water for a long time. I was like, but you know, I just watered them. So, so I watered them again and they all kind of perked up, looked great. You know, I looked at them the next day, they're all withered again. I'm like, what is happening? You know, you don't necessarily have to water plants every day. Well, I don't know, maybe you do. I'm just giving away my gardening lack of knowledge. But anyway, I, I felt like this was not right. You know, the, and it, it literally, like every time you turned your back on these plants, they just sagged. I was like, gosh, this is not good. I better keep my son away before he notices that I've killed some more plants. So we were just very puzzled by this. And then a huge rainstorm came and it was, it was heavy enough to kind of wash some of the soil away from around these plants. And Andrew noticed that sticking out from the side of the plants was some black plastic. I thought, that's strange. So we dug up the plants and we discovered that this man who planted these plants for us had simply, you know the plants from a nursery come in that black plastic bag thing. He simply plopped the whole bag into the ground without taking it off. And so these poor little plants, you know, when, when water came directly on them, they could absorb them. But, but, you know, they couldn't get their roots into the ground to absorb anything. And these poor little plants are shriveling up in these tiny little black bags. And I, I, as I was contemplating this, I thought, you know, we are meant to be these trees planted by uh, streams of water, meditating on the word and allowing it to feed us and nurture us. But... What ends up happening is our, our lives have little black bags around them. And you know, this is the busyness of our lives. It's the distractions of our lives, the anxieties of our lives. Anything that keeps us out of that, that place of being able to meditate, rest in, absorb the life from God. And when I started sharing about that time that I begin my day with on a chair with God, I feel like that's an important part of me not having a plastic bag around my life. And I feel like for all of us, there, there are things we need to do that remove that plastic, that create spaces for us to be able to pull, put our roots down deep into God, to absorb from Him the love, the life, the rest, the nurture that we need to thrive. 
And I really want to encourage you that if you take, can take something practical away from this sermon, let it be that every person needs time carved out of their lives daily to spend with God, meditating on his word. Of course, we need, we need to continuously meditate on his word throughout the day, but you, you do need some specific set-aside time. And I want to encourage you to start with 15 minutes. You know, you may find when you start that it goes longer, but give yourself at least 15 minutes. I, I, th I think even longer is better. I think up to an hour is fantastic. And I, I think it needs to dictate your time through the day of, of just remembering God. So one of the things I do is that I, well, I have done in the past. I haven't done it lately. But when I was reading my Bible in the mornings, I, if a particular verse stood out to me, I would write it on a piece of paper, a small piece of paper, and I would just stick it in my pocket. And then what would happen is every time I put my hand in my pocket through the day, I would feel it, and what it would do, it would remind me of that verse, and I would think of it again, and I would allow it to, to minister to me and to nurture me, to change the way I thought about my environment, and that way I began to memorize scripture, and I began to make it a part of my everyday experience and my all-day experience, but I'm inviting you to find 15 minutes a morning as a start, and to say, God, I'm going to give you this time. I, I generally read three chapters of the Bible a day. The reason I do that is because that enables you to get through the whole Bible in a year. What I do find is that sometimes when I'm reading those, those chapters, I will read one scripture, one verse, and it becomes so profound and it's so great that I never get off that. So I don't always get through all three chapters in a day, but, but that's kind of like my goal. So maybe in a year and a half, I kind of get through the Bible. And I want to invite you to start a journey of allowing the word to become part of your thinking process, to become part of your speaking process, to, to form a, a substrate, a soil in which you can put your roots down. The Bible talks about in John 15. Oh, sorry, here's something better before we get there. Bearing fruit in the word comes from spending uninterrupted time reading the word, from, from mulling over the word often, from speaking the word in situations to yourself and in prayer and doing what the word says. Here's that John 15 scripture. It says, Jesus speaking to his disciples, remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It will remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And what he's talking about is too many Christians are trying hard to bear fruit trying to be good people but he's saying guys it's not about trying to be a good person although that's not a bad thing but it's more about remaining in the vine it's more about remaining in the soil letting your roots be deep in God so that the the nourishment and the nurturance of God can enter into our lives enter into our hearts fill us so that naturally as a response to that we bear fruit. Branches don't try to bear fruit. They just remain in the tree or in the vine and the life of the vine flows through them and there's a natural response of fruitfulness. And if you're finding your life unfruitful, I want to propose to you that God is pointing out to you, get your roots in me. Get your word in, get my word in you. Begin to meditate, think on it, act on it. Allow it to transform the way you behave and the way you respond to your world. 
and you will see the kind of fruitfulness you've always desired and wanted. In conclusion, meditating on the word means to think the word and to declare the word. It causes us to bear much fruit. Amen. Amen. So Lord, I want to pray for everyone here. Lord God, I just ask for more of your presence, Lord. Come and fill each person here with a desire and a passion for your word. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Open up opportunities in the day for us to spend time reading your word. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.